0: Welcome. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. We talk a lot about geography and politics on this program, usually from the vantage point of discussing gerrymandering. But as I have often said, and with specific reference to my next guest, that's only part of the problem. I note today, by the way, page one of the New York Times. There's a story about Representative Dan Crenshaw from Texas and about how The district that he represents was won by a quote-unquote whisper by Donald Trump. But because of partisan redistricting of Crenshaw's district now, if you look at the reconstituted district and the numbers were to stay the same, Donald Trump would have carried that new seat in a landslide. It means that someone like Crenshaw is only vulnerable in a primary and probably to his right side. Why do I say that's only part of the problem? It's part of the problem because gerrymandering is a phenomenon that occurs every 10 years after the census when state legislative and congressional boundary lines are redrawn. And we all know that dynamic. But are you aware of the extent to which we are self-gerrymandering or the extent to which we are involved in the big sort? That was the title of the book co-authored by Bill Bishop, The Big Sort why the clustering of like-minded America is tearing us apart. Hey, Bill, it's really a privilege to have you here. I really do invoke your name and the book often, so it's nice to see your face and to hear your voice. Thanks. Thanks much. Here's here's what I normally say, not only on radio, but in my public speaking around the country. When it comes to talking about gerrymandering, I'll say it's only part of the problem. And then I recommend your book. I even have a PowerPoint showing the jacket. And and what I say is that you point out that as a society, we began disengagement in the 60s. Think less Elks Club, less bowling league, less local newspaper reading. And when we reengaged in the computer era, we were able to do so along very narrowly cast lines, not necessarily a political phenomena, but it provides context to the level of stratification among us. How am I doing when I'm out there pitching your book to audiences across the country?
1: Yeah, keep going. And, and uh, excuse, uh, I'm in uh, LaGrange, Texas, and we have a train that goes through town. So it's decided to come through at this moment. So it'll honk at us a bit. But yeah, and um, that's the summary. And I think you can extend it by saying the country is separating in all kinds of ways since the mid 1970s that educated people cluster over here. People with leg- less education cluster in other places. We've separated geographically by how we, whether or not we go to church, by how we form families, by uh, income, by even by patent production. Back in the early 70s, all the metro areas produced patents at about the same rate. But Bob Cushing, who is my co author, found that beginning in the 70s, the patents began to cluster in some places and not in others. So the the sort is not not just political. In fact, political may be the, the smallest part of it. We've clustered in all kinds of ways, in every way you can imagine.
0: What got you started down this road? What, what did you and Cushing see that caused you to pursue and say, you know, there's a book here we need to write?
1: Well, I'm from Kentucky originally and and, uh, and spent a lot of time in Eastern Kentucky. So the question is, why does Eastern Kentucky remain poor while other places get richer? Came to Austin, Austin booming, rich. Uh, and so Bob and I decided to, Bob was a soci- was a sociologist at the University of Texas and a stats wizard. And we began to ask the question, why do some places get rich and some places get poor? And what we saw was, that places were separating by all those ways that I enumerated. And finally, one day, Bob said, well, I wonder how this extends to politics. And at first, we looked at, we were looking at tech cities, cities that produced a lot of technology. And in 1976, they all voted about the same. All cities voted about the same. From then on until 2000, when we ran the first set of numbers, You could see the tech cities got more Democratic and low tech cities got less Democratic, more Republican. And then we broke it down into counties and we could see this trend happening all over the country.
0: Is the sorting that you're describing a conscious decision or just happening as a byproduct of something else?
1: We used to think that it was more a lifestyle choice that people were moving to places where they felt comfortable and that those lifestyle decisions uh, produce political consequences. But now I think we're, we're seeing people separate and go to places where they fit in politically, where they, you can see it in churches. People will leave churches where they don't fit in politically or leave the church, leave religion altogether in order for their faith lives to align with their uh, political choice. So the rise of secular society is in part driven by people saying, you know, people who go to church are Republicans. I'm not a Republican, so I'm not going to church. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, yeah, it's everywhere. You can see it uh, in the choices people make with media, the people's, People are using politics as a way to establish identity, and uh, and so politics now has a different role in the country. It's to establish identity, not to solve problems.
0: I know that there's a, a Facebook group of. California transplants to Texas, 8,000 strong. In fact, NPR recently wrote about it and made, of course, reference to you. And I read that with interest, but not everyone has the gift of mobility. Not all of us, not everybody listening to the two of us right now or who will watch us on YouTube can just decide they're going to get up and move to a different place that suits them politically. So I don't know what to make of the, the, the migration from California to Texas. I guess my question to you is, do you think that many among us are saying, I want to pay low taxes, I want to have good schools, I want to have little crime, and oh, by the way, I want it to be a red community or a blue community?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's as many as those who... I was with a group of uh, Republicans outside of uh, Minneapolis, Edina, and... um, and they said, you know, the, the state party wants us to poll people to see whether they're Republican or Democrat. They said, we don't need to do that. All we have to do is look at the distance between houses. The the greater the distance between uh, houses, the more likely people are to be Republican. So people can move to Austin and live downtown, Democratic, close together. Um, or they can move out to Bastrop County or Williamson County or some of the other places and and uh, and and be among Republicans. So even those who, so there is some of that, but I think it's more, yeah, this is my kind of neighborhood. And once they do that, then they contribute to the kind of sorting. But there's been recent papers saying people who have those of opposite party moving in next door to them are more likely to move in the coming period of coming period of time. So, yes, I mean, people are now consciously trying to separate themselves from others with whom they have political disagreements.
0: In other words, at at a different point in American history, a, a family that didn't look like you, maybe racially or ethnically, might drive you from the neighborhood. That's a horrible thing. But now you're saying politically speaking, a Democrat moves into a Republican area or vice versa, and people decide it's time to get the hell out of here.
1: Yeah, there you go. Welcome to America.
0: Hey, hey, Bill, um, in the same way that I like to credit you by name and the big sort, I do likewise with David Wasserman and Larry Sabato. I'm a fan of, of both of their work, and they've each written on the phenomenon of uh, the growth of exponential uh, blowout counties. In other words, we redraw right. the boundary lines for congressional districts and state legislative districts. We don't redraw. They're like three thousand counties. In the United States. And when you look at the data, and I know you're familiar with it and hope you'll speak to it, but the number of counties being won by 20 plus percentage points by one party or another a presidential race is dramatically on the rise. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, that was an interesting way to, to look at the data. What was uh, also interesting was that, yes, there were more counties that were blowout Republican but Biden in 2020 got more votes from some of those 80, from those 80, 20 counties than Trump did from 80, 20 Republican counties. So it's not just the, in talking uh, around the country after the book came out, I found that uh, my liberal friends were less receptive to this uh, phenomenon than Republicans. It's like, liberals thought you know hey we're diverse don't tell us we're not diverse um and republicans one of the best sessions i had was in oklahoma city with uh, a chamber of commerce group they were really concerned about this but you get to a liberal group in austin yeah we're not we're not that interested
0: this is the book club with michael smirconish podcast from sirius xm Listen to Michael Live, weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Will you speak to the role of technology in the big sort? How has computerization, for lack of a better description, uh, been an accelerant to these trends? And do you think these trends would be there without computers?
1: I think they would be there without computers, yes. Because I think it's, I think, and I don't really have proof of this, but my my sense is what we're seeing is a fundamental change in the way people form their identities. It used to be that people had, they formed their identity by their work or by their faith or by their uh, traditions or or by where they lived. And now those things have all begun to lose their meaning and people are having to create their own identities. Uh, And politics has been sucked into that into that day-to-day chore and technology to Facebook. I mean, Facebook, Twitter, all those things are simply ways for people to broadcast their identities to others. And no, no, I think people, I, I think the driver is modernity and technology just helps us do that more efficiently.
0: But in in my parents' era, if they wanted socialization, I I referenced the bowling league or the Elks Club or the Rotary, whatever the case may have been. That's where they needed to go for human contact, especially among the like-minded, at least people of similar value. Today, with a modem, you sit back and you find people around the globe who share your very narrow area of interest. And consequently, we're not having common experiences anymore. I mean, that's the issue as I see it.
1: Right, that's why we moved to Lagrange.
0: Because I mean, you I like ZZ spent, Top.
1: Yeah, I was ZZ Top, look up the song. But I just spent uh, uh, two days in the uh, over the weekend helping hang a quilt show. Okay, there must have been fifty people there helping to set the thing up. Everybody working together, and it's that working together with people who with whom you have political differences that breaks down the kind of political polarization that uh, uh, and hatred that we have now.
0: So where, where are, are we offline, going? When you're online with
1: people that just think like you do, you don't have that kind of interaction.
0: Right. And I mean, another illustration of this and is, 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 you can tell, I hope how much I believe in your premise, but another manifestation of this is the fragmentation of media sources. I can't tell you how often people now will recommend to me a TV show that I've never heard of, right? Because I got you know you got five hundred choices and so much content, and we're all siloed according to these particular right. areas of interest. So here's my question for Bill Bishop of the Big Sort Fame: Where are we going to get the common experiences going forward?
1: I, do, I don't have a I don't have a solution to, to human nature. I don't have a solution to modernity. And uh, but you're right. I mean, you go to you know there's the presbyterian church with a little rainbow flag out hanging out in front of it and then there's the presbyterian church that is more traditional so the sorting takes place across media across churches across communities across which kind of close you by and on and on and on and i you know what is the solution to people having to form their identities in these new kinds of ways i i i don't see it
0: Charles Murray wrote, "Coming apart after you wrote the big sort, and I saw that as being related because it speaks to in his case Kensington of Philadelphia, Belmont in Massachusetts, both real communities, but he took some liberties and tried to illustrate the fact that you 've got people of different socioeconomic class for lack of a better description they 're just not crossing paths, and there 's no empathy. The folks who are better off aren't taking the kind of care that they should of the people less fortunate because they don't see them. Their kids don't go to school. They're not in the same church. They don't go to the same grocery store. You know, they're gated even if there's not a gate.
1: Except in in towns like LaGrange of forty eight hundred where you see everybody. You know, I walked into the grocery. uh, LaGrange is about 80 percent Republican and uh, LaGrange elected a black woman as mayor last year. So I go into the grocery store at 7am and there's the mayor standing on top of the cash machine doing something because everything is connected. We're, we're, but people aren't going to live, you know, people aren't going to move to LaGrange. They're going to, they want to move to Austin. They want to move to Philadelphia. They want to move to cities where they can get a, you know, all the stuff that they want. And, and, uh, so I, what's the solution to that? I I don't know what it is.
0: Uh, Thank you for being so gracious with your time. Give me the takeaway. For those who've not read The Big Sort, what, is, what does Bill Bishop most want them to know?
1: That there are people in the next county that live a lot differently than they do in every way you can imagine. And it helps to get out and meet them. That used to be what, what uh, you know, people would go to the countryside. they go to Southwest Virginia to learn how to fiddle, learn how to play a banjo, and learn learn see a different way of life and uh and these days i think there's people fear doing that kind of thing
0: that's a shame i hope it gets less fear. hope it gets better thank you so much i really appreciate your time all right take care uh bill bishop and robert cushing i should mention robert cushing as well both wrote the big sort Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program. Weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with
1: Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at smirconish.com.
0: Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee Governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your
1: podcasts. People today can spend half their lives over 50, so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.